Welcome to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church in Greenwood, Mississippi. We are a community of Christians that exists to make disciples of Jesus Christ and influence the Delta for the glory of God. More information about Westminster can be found at www.wpcgreenwood.org. All right, you may be seated, and uh, those who are going to Little Worship can be dismissed at this time. Um, thank the joiners for helping us out today. Um, thank you, uh, Rob and Amber, for teaching our little kids. Um, if you're staying in here with us, I invite you to open your Bibles, or of course there in your bulletin, to uh, Luke chapter 11, verses 29 through 36. We're, we're staying in uh, just our series in Luke. Um, because, I mean, after all, it's, it's all one story, and uh, everything points us back to the Christmas story, right? Um, so, um, as we're, we're kind of transitioning here, um, the Swedish theologian's ace of base once said, life is demanding without understanding. Y'all know what they're talking about, right? Uh, but, thankfully, I saw the sign. It opened up my eyes. I saw the sign, right? Um, have, you, have you ever wanted a sign from God, maybe you are at a crossroads in your career or family or just a big decision. You're like, I wish God would just give me a sign of what I need to do. Um, have you ever wanted a sign, God to tell you what to do when you didn't know what to do? Or, or maybe you were just driving down the interstate on fumes and you were just longing for a literal gas station sign, just, just anything. You know, we tend to long for signs when we're lost, right? Uh, when we are, well, when, when we're in the darkness, when we don't know what to do, don't know where to go, we tend to long for signs. But, but there's another thing about a sign. You know, if you're on the road and, and you come to a sign, you know, we don't have the luxury of remaining neutral uh, in light of said sign, right? I know when we see it, a, a decision has to be made, right? A choice uh, has to be made, and, and that choice affects the direction that we're traveling, uh, back before GPSs and smartphones, um, Annie and I were, were driving to her home in Kansas. And uh, we were somewhere around St. Louis, and the road was forking. It was a sign where, like, you had, to, you had to go one way or the other. You didn't have the luxury just to stop and stop. You know, you had to, you had to merge. And so as it's getting closer and closer, I'm asking Annie, uh, which way do we go? We're going to your house. Which way do we go? And... and um, by the way, Annie didn't know how to get home. I mean, and I sure didn't know how to get to her house. Um, and so we just ended up taking a little detour around St. Louis. Right? All right. In our passage, Jesus, Jesus is dealing with the same people he was dealing with last week. If you remember last week, Jesus had just cast out a demon. And instead of believing, one group of the people were more skeptical. And they said, ah, Jesus is working for the devil. Right? And then if you remember, there was another group there um, of people who were a little more superstitious. And they said, well, if Jesus, if you would just give us one more sign, look, just give us a few more signs and we'll really believe that you're the Messiah if you just give us another sign. Well, last week Jesus dealt with the skeptics and this week he's going to engage the darkness of superstition. And, and before he lets them go, we'll see this at the end, he, he's going to end his teaching by issuing this jarring warning that I don't think could be more applicable to the modern American church. And, and y'all, I hope that if these words don't at least shake you, um, that at least they will cause you to pause and ponder today at some point or maybe this week. Because uh, I've, I've, been, I've been wrestling with these, this warning for the past two weeks. 
um, haven't been able to shake it. Jesus said, uh, it's there in verse 35, um, be careful lest the light that is in you is really darkness. Um, Beware that all the religious stuff that you do and say and practice, the, the trappings of church culture that you experience could possibly have nothing to do with genuine Christianity. He's saying it could have nothing to do with the light of the gospel. I mean, it's what a warning, right? Beware that what you call good and what this culture calls good may be the very thing enslaving you and keeping you in darkness. Well, we need to explore that a bit, don't we? Uh, but first, let's, let's read God's word. So Luke 11, starting with verse 29 through 36. When the crowds were increasing, Jesus began to say, This generation is an evil generation. It seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of Jonah. For as Jonah became a sign to the people of Nineveh, so will the Son of Man be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up at the judgment with the men of this generation and condemn them, for she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. Behold, something greater than Solomon is here. The men of Nineveh will rise up at judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it in a cellar or under a basket, but they put it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it is bad, your body is full of darkness. Therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. If then your whole body is full of light, having no part dark, it will be wholly bright, as when a lamp with its rays uh, gives you light. This is God's word. So let's pray. Father, may you forgive the one who teaches his sins, for they are are many. Um, And Lord, that you would use this time to equip your people uh, in uh, the gospel message. Holy Spirit, come, give us eyes, give us ears. And we ask this in Christ. Amen. So Jesus just gets right to the point, right? He looks at this crowd, who many of us today would call seekers, and he says, he sees right through their charades, and he just says, y'all are an evil people. Y'all are a wicked generation. And, and y'all ask for a sign, but none will be given to you except the sign of Jonah. I know some have read that, some commentators have read that and argued that Jesus, man, he kind of sounds mean here. After all, we just, what, several weeks ago, we heard Jesus say that, look, if you seek me, you will find me, right? He seems to like seekers. Well, here it doesn't seem like he cares about seekers. Okay, it's not that Jesus didn't care, it's just that Jesus saw through their request. And so this is his way of loving these people. Uh, Jesus knew right away that they had no interest in seeing any signs. Uh, they couldn't because their eyes, their eyes weren't open to see the signs. They, they, if they were, they would already have seen Jesus. They would see that his whole life was a sign. Uh, y- y'all know those people who spend the signs outside of like the payday loan places, right? Um, Jesus is saying, like, that's who I am, <laughs> M- minus the payday loan part. He says, you're looking for a sign. I am a living, breathing, walking, talking sign. That's, that's who I am. Jesus had already given countless proofs, and honestly, he could have just said what he told John the Baptist, if you remember what he told John, uh, who, by the way, was sincere in his faith, um, but struggling with doubt, right? So this is what, what does it look like to seek towards the Lord, or to doubt towards the Lord? Jesus, to you, would say, go and tell John 
The blind receive their sight, the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. In other words, he's saying, John, I, I'm your guy. I, I'm your huckleberry, right? Like God, God doesn't have to give signs anymore because, or to anyone, because the whole earth has his fingerprints all over it, right? Paul put it this way in Romans 1. He said, God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so that we are without excuse. So he gives us that, and then he continues, for although they knew God, they did not, not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were, and here's the word, darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. So there's this intelligent design to life that screams in, in neon flashing lights that there is a God. Uh, poet Elizabeth Barrett Browning put it this way. She wrote, Earth's crammed with heaven and every bush afire with God, but only he who sees takes off his shoes. The rest sit around it and pluck blackberries. Well, in our passage, Jesus says, look, I'm not hidden in the valleys. I'm not off in a cave somewhere. Like, I am right here. Like, I'm right here in human history. I am shining. And the only reason you don't see me is because of the darkness of your hearts. And yet, even then, though they and we are a wicked generation, Jesus still said, but you know what? I will give you a sign. But what I'm going to give you is the sign of Jonah. All right, so what's that mean? Well, it means at least three things. Uh, first, I, I love this, that just as Jonah himself, like Jonah in the belly of the great fish, vomited out onto the, onto the, the beach, he staggers into, disheveled into Nineveh. Like Nineveh, him, like Jonah himself was the sign. <laughs> they, they look at Jonah like, you don't mess with God, right? Uh, Jonah was the sign. Jesus is saying, just as Jonah was the sign to Nineveh, I have no interest in giving you abstract signs, but I am the sign. I am the gospel. Second, if you remember, Jonah was a preacher of repentance, right? And he wasn't sent to this religious, upright people. You know, Nineveh was a very dark place. It was said that walking up to Nineveh, you would walk past the skulls of kings and people that Nineveh had killed and conquered. And so it was into this dark and pagan place filled with God's enemies that Jonah went, yet he went somewhat reluctantly. He went and he called them to repentance, and the whole city responded by turning to the Lord. Well, Jesus says, this is my mission. He says that he didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. He didn't come for the self-righteous, but for sinners, enemies of God. And his message isn't, you are so special. I just love you because you're so special. No, his message is, you are so wicked, and I love you in spite of that. That's why I came. And his call is a call to repentance so that we can come and find salvation and rest in the only one who can give it. So, but then third, and, and by far the greatest sign that Jesus gave in this sign of Jonah is the sign of the resurrection, right? Matthew notes that Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so I will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And so the grand miracle, the great sign, was Jesus' death for our sin, his burial, and then his resurrection victory, right? In, in 1 Corinthians, Paul, or 1 Corinthians 15, Paul records one of the earliest creeds 
that it really encapsulated the gospel message. He wrote, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, and on the third day he was raised again according to the scriptures. In other words, to all the segments of Christianity that get so taken up by pursuing miraculous signs and wonders and let's throw our fleeces out and let's just see what God does. Um, we have to remember that the greatest sign has already been given. And so in, in some sense, like, what, what are you waiting on? Right? Which shows us, just like this passage, these people had, they had the sign right in front of them. You know, th th they couldn't see it. And just like many today, we could see 10 million signs and still not see it. And look, we're about to get to our hope of, or our way forward with our blindness. Um, but for now, you know, we have to know that belief is not a convincing of the intellect, right? But, but it, it, it's not waiting for every possible question to be settled in our mind. But belief is a, is a choice, right? It's, it's an act of the will. Granted, it is a gift of God that enables that. But, but again, we'll get to that in just a bit, okay? All right, so then to further diagnose our hearts and their hearts, Jesus reached all the way back to this thing that happened in history where the Queen of Sheba or the Queen of the South, as they're calling her here, uh, came to hear the wisdom of, of Solomon. You know, Solomon was known far and wide as being a really wise king. And she said, I gotta, I gotta hear this guy. I've got to hear it. And so as a genuine seeker, Jesus is showing us what a genuine seeker looks like she left her palace, she left her comfort, and she, I mean, she risked it for the biscuit, right? She took the dangerous 1,600-mile journey, which by caravan in her day would have taken her months to get there. And when she arrived, she listened and she believed, but then she didn't just walk away saying like, oh, well, that's interesting. I'm gonna have to think about some of the things he said. No, she responded in awe by worshiping Yahweh and giving generously. I, I love that. You know, even though that Solomon was so wise, there was something about his wisdom that, that made its hearers turn to God because, like, God is the source of this wisdom. So the question uh, becomes, you know, she did that for a mere man. And Jesus is saying, look, something better than Jonah's here. They responded to Jonah preaching. I, I'm better than Jonah. I, I'm, I'm more wise than Solomon. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so... Here's the question, if the queen of Sheba did that for a mere man, would we dare to leave our lazy boy? Um, would we dare to leave the ball game, leave the deer stand to seek the better wisdom? Um, would we leave our comfortable life to seek the better truth of Jesus? And so Jesus pegs them, and he says, look, these sign seekers, they're not seekers at all. If they had the hearts of the hearers of Jonah's preaching or seeking like the Queen of Sheba, they would have seen it. But they weren't earnestly seeking. They were just looking to be entertained. You know, they were like, look, give, give them a church with a skit, an all-star praise band, and bright lights, and they are happy. They will be there every Sunday. Um, but they just want to be entertained. And so their spiritual vision was obscured by unbelief. And this is where it starts to get personal. Because I don't know if you're anything like me, but growing up I would read passages like this and it just blew my mind. It's like, how could they not see, Je like Jesus is right there. How lucky are they, right? 
Um, or maybe we could say, well, you know, we're, we live this side of the resurrection, so we have the full gospel. They, don't have, they, some, they were just missing some things, and so maybe we can kind of understand how they didn't get it. But the sobering reality is our culture is the same today, is it not? I mean, w- we do have the full-out gospel today, and, and yet we are far from packing the places out, right? Uh, y'all know the average church attendance uh, in America is, is less than 100 most churches are, are fairly empty. Um, I, I heard this stat this week that kind of made me sad. Uh, two-thirds of the churches in the PCA, our beloved denomination, two-thirds of the churches in the PCA are stagnant or dwindling. Um, well, why, why is that the case? Well, I'm sure there's tons of reasons why, but one reason could be because what John said at the beginning of his gospel, we, we read it every Christmas, because the light came into the world but the world did not receive it. Didn't want the light. Uh, we prefer darkness over light. And apart from Jesus, we, uh, Westminster RE people, surrounded by and ensconced in a culture of darkness. And we read the news, we watch the various media outlets, and we think, what in the world is going on? Um, well, it's darkness. Like, without Christ, we're all fumbling around in the dark, trying not to stump our toe. And so Jesus coming, and this is what Christmas is about, Jesus comes into the dark as light, and that, that coming, that sign that he is, creates a crossroads. It creates a decision moment, and we can't remain neutral. So Jesus comes into the darkness, and he says, verse 33, no one after lighting a lamp puts it in the cellar or under a basket, but on a stand so that those who enter may see. And you, know, you can see everything by that light. And so the light of Jesus, and what he's saying is the gospel message is meant to be placed in a prominent place in the church and in the home, in our world, um, to give light to everyone. He continues, verse 34, um, your eye is the lamp of the body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. But when it's bad, your body is full of darkness. Okay. Um, This is a metaphor that, like, if you take it concretely, and you read this literal, it is just going to give you fits. But it, it's a metaphor because, you know, our, our eye doctors here will probably be the first to tell you that eyes don't produce light. They don't generate light. Uh, our eyes absorb light. All we do is take in light. And so Jesus appears to be using this as a metaphor for the fact that just like our eyes don't produce light, we don't produce any light in ourselves. Uh, we only produce darkness. And so whatever light we possess... Um, is received from a light source. We don't create it. We merely absorb it and then reflect what we have, what we've received. And so here Jesus is reminding us that, that he is the only true source of light, okay? And people will say, look, the only reason I don't believe is because I, I just can't see it. I just can't see God. It seems like God's hiding from me. And I, I do empathize with that. And yet here, Jesus is. You know, we see that God didn't answer all the questions of the human heart with philosophy. No, no, he answered our problems and our questions with a person. You know, he, he answered our problems by, by entering in himself, in the person of Jesus. And so he's arguing that the eye is the lamp of the body because it lets light in, allowing the mind to see and then to respond to what the light reveals. So the eye is really a synonym of the heart. He's saying if you're wrong there, the whole thing's wrong. Right? If you can't see, 
then darkness will invade you. And so it will invade everything that we do. And so this is, you could call it worldview, but this is how we, how we view morality, how we view life, how we view marriage, how we view parenting, on and on and on and on, right? If our source is dark, we just can't see the truth, we can't see the light. And this is why God's people throughout history, one of their, the leading prayers has been, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. Maybe y'all have sung that song. That's what they're talking about. Open the eyes of my heart. Give us spiritual eyes to see. And so this is where the, the Holy Spirit comes in. Um, y- you know, we, we look at the word and we hear the gospel maybe, and maybe even some of our kids or maybe older adults will hear their preacher preach about the gospel and be like, I just do not get it at all. Uh, there's nothing flashy, nothing fancy, nothing exciting. But then the Holy Spirit comes one day, like a, a cataract or a glaucoma surgeon, right? The Holy Spirit comes into your life like a pair of glasses and gives you vision to see and to say, that's who Jesus is. Okay, that is why people die for this message and have died for this man throughout history. That's it. And see, so, like no one possesses an argument to bring you from unbelief to belief, but the Holy Spirit giving you the glasses to see and to savor is that answer. You know, there's this great story that came out of the French Revolution about a group of Christians who were, well, they were imprisoned and they were all crammed into this really dark uh, prison cell, dark dungeon, um, and where once a day, just through a a crack in the wall, once a day, uh, for a few moments, the sun could come in at just the right angle to give just a little light to their cell. And so if they could hoist one of the prisoners up on their shoulders, that prisoner could be in the light. And so um, every day, one of the prisoners who just so happened to have a Bible with him was hoisted up for those brief moments on the shoulders of all the other prisoners so that, that he could read and study the word for just a few moments. But then the light was gone. And when the light was gone, they lowered him down and all of his fellow prisoners in the dark would gather around him and say, now tell us what you read. Tell us what you learned while you were in the light. And that's it, really. I mean, I think that pretty well defines what the life of a a follower of Christ is. You know, we come and we're in the light and then we go and we reflect the light to others, uh, telling others what we've learned. And then it was, this is where Jesus came in with that sobering warning. Verse 35, therefore, be careful lest the light in you be darkness. You know, we're made to receive light and to reflect light. So be careful that what you're receiving and reflecting isn't really darkness, uh, leading many, many people astray. Make sure that it actually is the light of the gospel. And again, what does that mean? He's saying it's possible for people to think that what's going on them is the light of faith. I mean, we are, we are doing church when in reality it's only the darkness of superstition. Uh, you know, it's the I'm not, I'm not going to dance, chew, or go with girls who do type of Christianity, right? Um, I was joking with Annie last night. I was like, who knows, maybe God, the wife God has for you does chew, you know? Um, I, I don't know about all this, or you could say, I don't know about all this light of the gospel stuff. But I tell you, I have perfect attendance and I'm checking the boxes because deep down I'm haunted by the idea that if I don't do this or that, I'm not so sure I'm going to end up in heaven at all. All right, that just doesn't sound like faith to me. That sounds like fear. 
Um, that's not light, that's just dark superstition. Um, or maybe you think it's the light of the righteous, quote, righteous deeds that you do. That you're just a good person and God would be crazy not to like you. Um, all the while forgetting the reality, this is what the Bible says about all your good works. We forget the reality that all of our good deeds are nothing more than the darkness of filthy rags in the eyes of the Lord. Well, that's out. So in darkness, we either live in fear or we drown in our own self-righteousness. Either way, that's not a good look, right? And then we raise a whole generation of little people who live in fear and drown in their own superstition. Uh, maybe that's one of the reasons why the church is doing like, I don't know. And so in our passage, Jesus wants to call those who are living in darkness, come and live in the light. And so, friends, this warning, really, it's, it's an invitation just this week to contemplate, to make time so that you, maybe you can be alone in, in healthy introspection, to honestly ask yourself, is the light in me really light, or is it darkness? Um, does my, my version of the gospel that I'm living out, is that really the gospel of grace? Am I missing Jesus somewhere? Alistair Begg, he said, it, it's kind of like, for those of you who golf, it's kind of like being on a putting green. And, and you can be lined up for your putt, and you just know. Man, you are locked in. This ball is about to go into that, go into the hole, right? And yet, the other people you're golfing with, they can look at you, and they know that you don't even have a prayer of sinking that putt. You're, you're, you're lined up off. You're, you're not lined up right, right? You're in darkness. And, and so maybe a friend that you're golfing with comes up to you and says, hey, man, you're... You're a little off here. Maybe you should line up to the left. Well, in the same way, the Spirit comes uh, through the Word. The Spirit comes, and he, he reminds us. He woos us to say, look, you're going the wrong way. You're going the wrong way. Well, do we respond to that? Or, or do we say, nope, I'm going to keep going my way. How do you respond? How do you respond to the Spirit? How do you respond to, you know, correction or encouragement, rebuke from brothers and sisters? Do we respond? So let's, Mr., be careful lest the light in you be darkness. And know that we don't wait for a sign, right? The, I mean, the sign is here. Jesus is shining brightly. We just need the Spirit to give us a better and better view of him. So would you ask him today and this week, would you pray to him so that by the Spirit we too, we too could be like those Swedish theologians, right? And we could say, I saw the sign. It opened up my eyes. I saw the sign. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, it was into deep darkness that you came as the light of the world uh, to shine. Uh, Lord, may we see it through your spirit. Uh, Lord, this uh, Christmas season as we drive around town, as we see the lights up here uh, in the pulpit, um, Lord, remind us that the light of Jesus came. Uh, and may we follow, follow him. May the light that is in us not be darkness, but may it be true light uh, and life. Uh, so Lord, may we respond to the gospel call this morning, uh, asking the Spirit to come. So Holy Spirit, come. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Hi, Richard Owens here. I just wanted to take a second to say thank you for listening to the podcast of Westminster Presbyterian Church. Our prayer is that the Lord would use this message to encourage you in the gospel 
and that you would find Jesus to be more beautiful than you ever, ever imagined. If you'd like to find out more about who Jesus is or more about our church, I invite you to visit our website at wpcgreenwood.org. God bless.